I think it's it's interesting that he, he would make this movie because as a person who of who's Irish and then starting off kind of his career with The Informer to then later on in his career do another movie about somebody going back to Ireland is, is just a really interesting move. And I don't know if he did it on purpose. Like you said, who knows if he did any of this on purpose or if he's just like, I'm going to do this story now, especially someone who, you know, the story is, you know, he's a boxer and he kills someone. So I wonder if that's even like him thinking about himself and like the end of a career or near the end of a career, or if he even thought about that in general, who knows? But I do think it's interesting in that way. And especially because at that time, he really could have just kept banging out Westerns and making money and doing fine. And it makes you wonder, like, if he didn't do something like The Quiet Man before The Searchers, would The Searchers have been as different as it was? You know, if he didn't, uh, you know, cleanse the palate a bit uh, artistically, if, if maybe it would have done it, you know, who knows? Hi, everyone. Welcome to another another episode of a podcast directed by. So we are getting close to wrapping up our John Ford month. We are watching our eighth and ninth John Ford movies. Uh, on this episode, we'll be talking about The Quiet Man and The Searchers. So, Mike, we are we are getting to the end of this, you know, at first this director that you were kind of like not into, like this is a struggle, but it seems like you've warmed up to John Ford as we've gone. So how are you going into our, you know, eighth and ninth movie of the month? Well, I don't know anything about uh, going into it, The Quiet Man, other than I bought it at some point on uh, an iTunes sale, presumably for like four ninety nine, And I'm like, oh, John Ford, we'll be talking about him. I'll go ahead and buy that one. Now, there's been stuff I've liked previously, like in particular My Darling Clementine, which was also on sale. And I didn't because the uh, sponsor of the show, Stars, had that one available, <laughs> so didn't feel the need. And now I'm kicking myself because I really liked it. Uh, this is one I'm really looking forward to watching for this episode because know nothing about it. You, know, you put John Ford in Western or like a war picture. I feel like uh, I kind of think I know how that's going to go, even though they've surprised me and how much I've liked them. Mm-hmm. But this one, uh, romantic comedy. Yeah. I mean, what, what are we? What? Are, what is this? Uh, this probably predates like you know what they would want to hype as a rom com because I think they're still going for it being like a you know the the Irish sort of culture and then, you know, that sort of foreign setting that I think they're going for some sort of sweeping romance, but it is, uh, it leans goofy, very goofy. Yeah. I was, I was really looking forward to this too, uh, for similar reasons. One of them being like, we kind of disagreed on, she wore a yellow ribbon. I had troubles with like the changes in tone, but being like really goofy and then really serious. So I was looking forward and to I was something. All for it. You all were. For it. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to something that maybe figures that out a little more and figures out the tone, because I think it's much easier to balance the tone when you're going comedy and romance rather than you're doing comedy and like, the the Native Americans are coming to murder us all. Like it's, it seems a little more. You don't balanced. find that funny, so, you, Dave? Nah, not so much. I mean, maybe I would have in the late forties, early fifties. Uh, but you know, living in this See, time I would think period, now people would find that funny. Like the the Native Americans are coming to murder all the white people. I, I would think not like that funny, ha ha, but like funny, gross. Like this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. So Twitter is gross, just in general. Well, that's very true. No <laughs> arguments there, and I spend way too much time in that gross place. 
So, like, you know, we walked in excited for this movie. So did it live up to those expectations? Did you walk out of seeing this movie still happy? Or were you disappointed in the rom-com version of a John Ford movie? I wouldn't say disappointed. I, I, I was happy for uh, a change of pace for mm-hmm. for this month. You know, that was something with Sofia Coppola. We were like, oh, it's cool. You kind of jump from this time period, jump from, you know, this going from somewhere, which is more melodrama to you know the 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 big rock anthem like marie antoinette to uh the hideous bling ring like you know you're sort of all over the place i I think those were your words right hideous and bling ring i think that's how Uh, you described it no i don't think that's true i think those were your words this stupid movie i think (laughs) you know i forget you know i I may uh come back we do uh sophia coppola again and be like bling ring misunderstood masterpiece who were the idiots that were hating on it (laughs) Uh, the quiet and then man. I'll just insert the clip <laughs> when you were hating on it. It'll be and perfect. you know what? I'll be like, you know what? That guy's right, too. Both <laughs> of these voices are right. Um, no, I wouldn't say it's a disappointment. Okay, so it's long. I mean, it's, a, it's two hours and nine minutes. And so <laughs> one of the bits, I can't remember if it was on Wikipedia or like the IMDb trivia. It was just like a little kind of pithy thing, like a ha-ha, John Ford, wasn't he an asshole type thing, where I, I guess contractually he uh, had to deliver a two-hour film, and he really wanted those nine extra nine extra minutes. <laughs> so his way of getting that was showing Republic, uh, pictures, I think is, uh, what produced this, the first two hours out of his two hour, nine minute cut. And then just turned off the projector. And it's like, if you want to our movie, that's how it is. Like <laughs> that's his version of editing was like, we don't have an ending because you wanted it to be two hours. I hope you're happy. So he got his way. Cause they wanted to see, you know, how it wrapped up. And I would say for the first hour is like, I don't know, like the fish out of water element of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that wraps up and things just continue. Like there's conflict where I think that there should be, there should no longer be conflict. And I guess I'm looking at it from the John Wayne's John Wayne character's point of view, which is strange for me to ever sort of be like, yeah, I get where Wayne's coming from, but he's the outsider to this culture. And basically he has a crush on a girl and it's like the next door neighbor Gorgeous red hair. I mean, the, the colors in this film, awesome. Yeah. Works with being uh, set in Ireland, right? You got the green, you got the red. Everything's everything's great. Um, and so when you think that that's wrapped up, it's different from modern rom-coms as far as like, I don't know, one of them gets cold feet or, you know, the, one of them says something stupid and it gets blown up. Like <laughs> the, the argument is like far too much just so they can break up and then get back together. Yeah. With, she like, wants her fucking dish. money, man. That's... It's strange because, and it's, so the Wayne character is like, why does that matter? And I don't know if it would have played that way to all Americans in 1952. Uh, it certainly plays that way in 2019, right? Where I'm like, wait, why, why is this an issue? What are we arguing about? Don't touch me. You have no right. What do you mean, no right? I'll wear your ring. I'll cook. And I'll wash. And I'll keep the land. But that is all. Until I've got my dowry safe about me. I'm no married woman. I'm the servant I have always been. Without anything of my own. That's ridiculous. You're my wife in Port. What is this? Haven't I been trying to tell you that until you have my dowry, you haven't got any bit of me. Me, myself. I'll still be dreaming amongst the things that are my own. So I was into it more because I came at it from the main character's point of view where it's like, I don't understand what's happening, (laughs) but because of the length of the film, 
and me consistently not understanding what's going on, it obviously started drag where I'm like, is this, is this almost over? Like, when is this wrapping up? Like how many more hoops do we have to jump through? And, uh, there's a lot of fights and a lot of drinking. I liked all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to say I disagree with, you know, one of our masters of film here in that I think there were nine minutes he could have found in this <laughs> and still kept his ending. What, what about you, Dave? I love this movie. Like, it, I... That shocks me. I <laughs> thought this would be the one you hated. No. All the ones no, watched. it's... I mean, maybe I'm blinded by the beauty of Maureen O'Hara in this movie. Uh, I, this is just really fun to me. Like, I like... I like pretty much everything about it, frankly. Like, I like the relationship between them. I like that it's not easy. Like, the... You know, it, it it still rang true, like, these arguments they're having, where he's just like, but I can provide this for you. And she's like, no, I want my stuff. Like, the whole bit with the furniture. She wants her stuff that is owed to her. The same thing with, you know, with kind of what's essentially a marriage dowry, right? Is that it's not about the amount. It's not about the money and being able to use it because he, you know, we find out is, you know, has done very well for himself as a boxer. He's got he's got money to spread around through the whole movie. It seems like he has no he must be like a millionaire because like he just gets there and is like, I want to buy this land. And then someone comes in and bids, you know, and then she's like, no, I'm going to go with his bid anyway. And then he pays him more. He's just like, you know, he's buying everyone drinks. He's having a good time. He's fine with money. But for her. It's about the fact that this was owed to her and that this is hers. And, you know, and as a woman in the 1950s, she probably doesn't have a lot that is actually owed to her. So this is really important to her. Like, a whipping is... with a stick. If you get to the, <laughs> you know, the, like the final half hour. Is that what you liked most about this, Dave? <laughs> That's actually the only thing that I was like, Ugh. I think in my letterbox review, I was like, aside from some very problematic moments uh, between, you know, the, the husband and wife uh, near the end of the movie, uh, you know, I have to admit, I dug all that stuff. That that's the stuff I really liked, like him manhandling her because it's a strange relationship, right? Like the it my it's very contentious in- the whole way through, which I kind of love. Like you can see, I mean, that's kind of the shortcut in these older movies for showing passion, right? It's just showing these people fighting because yeah, you can't constantly. Have fucking, yeah, we right. get that. Yep. Yeah, and then especially in this film because they're they, breaking you know, they the to, bed. That's- you know, <laughs> four months in, they finally get to walk together or something crazy. Uh, they can't look at each other in the eye like you're one of these like animals in a cage or something like they're afraid the other one's going to attack them. I don't know. Um, I liked. Yeah, I liked how the women were treated here and definitely definitely in a very uncomfortable modern lens. Yeah, I have to imagine somewhat uncomfortable even for its time, because yeah, what I liked most about John Wayne playing this character is he seems progressive's not the word, but where he is the outsider to the, I guess the customs of courtship here in, in Ireland. Um, you know, he, he's the one asking like, can't we just like, we have an interest in one another. Can't we just have a conversation? Can't we just like talk to each other? Like, can't we just spend time together? Like, you know, why, why do we have to have other people involved? Um, why, (laughs) you know, why are you badgering me to create conflict with your brother? Um, because, Yes, there's a point where like a woman from the the town is like, "Here, I've got this stick. You can use it to beat your wife with." Beat your wife with, it's... and I'm just like, "Well, that seems like playful in this moment." Strangely, like, 
But Wayne, the way he plays it is, is like, okay, I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do any of this. Like one of the things but, I love about his performance is how restrained it is. Like whether you're talking about dealing uh, with, you know, Mary Kate with Maureen O'Hara's character or, you know, dealing with her drunk brother at the bar, like you can, and I, you know, the plot le- lends itself to that, right? You know, you find out later like, oh, you, you know, killed someone in the ring and, you know, it's very, very it's a dark. Cool jump to that sequence. I didn't know if mm-hmm. I liked I didn't like the extending the, uh, you know, everyone being under this sort of this sort of misguided attack on his masculinity, which is kind of funny because it's Wayne. But I did like the the sort of jump cut to like him in the boxing ring and realizing he's just killed a man. And so that's why he like puts up with probably more shit than what he normally would. He's not just like an extremely polite person. Um, I liked I mean, I like the aspect of it from the marriage where she she tells when she leaves him, uh, I guess one of the times she attempts to leave him to get on a train. Uh, she says she loves him, loves him too much to like live with like being ashamed of him. Like to be like, it, it, that's a weird thing to like, <laughs> like you're ashamed of me, but you love me, that sort of thing. And it, it's strange to watch a movie where John Wayne's masculinity is under constant attack. Cause usually we're, it's a we're barrage. Him, the whole movie. We're used to seeing him, you know, answer that quickly, you mm-hmm. know, with fists, a gun, something. Uh, and he's, he's restrained. No, I mean, he's charming and he's comedic in this, but he's restrained certainly with the violence. And even when it comes out, you know, it's played for laughs. I mean, it's like, and you'll see that again in our other film that when fisticuffs break out, the two guys are like shaking hands and like telling jokes during it. <laughs> I don't know. Ford just seems to think that like that's the way for men to bond is to just like put their hands on each other. Yep. And I guess also your women folk too. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people, you know, certainly people following this podcast are probably going to would probably enjoy those sequences where. Marina O'Hara is, uh, you know, thrown around and she's like dragged and thrown a lot, but she, she likes it. I don't know. She's, yeah. she's like a very conservative woman who appreciates the customs of their time. And she seems offended by this outsider dismissing them. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting way that she plays this. Cause there's, there's two scenes in particular that really, that really are noticeable now. One is when she's like essentially dragged back to town from from the train where he's just like the whole walk like whole for however however many miles it is just dragging her along you know john ford puts a lot of objects in her way for her to jump over it loses her shoe and you know there's a lot going on there uh and then you know when he essentially like it's it's weirdly like shakespearean when he like throws her back at her brother's feet like essentially like take her back it's very like a much ado about nothing moment Mm -hmm. and and at first i like the way that she plays it where you know she said you would do this to me like she's kind of mock playing that she's really offended but as as the scene progresses you see that she's really happy that like yeah, oh, two seconds later she's laughing and because he's finally respected her wishes this is what she has wanted him to do this whole time is to do something to get her brother's attention so she could get her dowry and they could move on with her with their lives together in a way that fits her kind of cultural lens and it was like that is such an because usually in movies like this you know, this would be like, well, this is between men and we handle this. But really, it's her pushing him to be weirdly misogynistic for the entire runtime of the movie. I mean, clearly, I, you know, you were just going to love this. Like, just that tagline, the way you explained <laughs> it. I didn't think I didn't think you'd like this all, not because of that, but uh, just because what you referenced, uh, totally you not being into the sort of silliness of She Wore a Yellow Ribbon 
And it's like they just took those sequences and they're like, we're going to make a whole movie out of that. I loved it. That's actually what I liked about it. And especially because of John Wayne in this movie, because it is over the top silly. And the whole time you see John Wayne just looking around like, is this really happening? Mm-hmm. Which really yeah. kind of fits the tone of the movie because he is the outsider, you know, coming into this. Of course, you know, this is where, you know, he was born in Ireland, but he hasn't been there since. So he has no clue how all this stuff works. Uh, like whether you're talking about, you know, in the very beginning when he first gets there or the sequence that you kind of reference where, you know, it's the courting stage and they have to like sit together, but they have to have somebody sit with them and make sure there's no funny business going on. And, you know, them running off to get on bicycles to like leave this, you know, this old drunk in the dust, like that stuff. It all really works because the tone, yes, it is silly. It is ridiculous, but it's consistent even through a, what seems like a 25 minute fight scene between these two guys that like, you know, it leads them out in the wilderness. One of them gets knocked in the water. It leads them into a bar, you know, where they have a moment's respite and they each have a drink and then they just can't get past the idea that one person has to pay. Your widow, my sister, she could have done a lot worse. True, true. Poor woman. Thanks. Fill them up again. Uh, you buy me no drinks. The, the, the drinks are on the house of Cahansa. And I'm taking no drinks from you, you little squint. I'm buying the drinks. You can buy me a drink at your wake. And <laughs> not before. I'm buying. And they start fighting inside the bar. And it's very... Uh, some of it feels very, like, kind of, like, Keystone Cops-ish. Where it's just like, we're just going to go to the next place. And he's going to tumble through this door. And we're just going to keep on fighting. And we're never... And I like the fact that it doesn't end with, like, one of them getting knocked out and besting the other. It ends up, like you mentioned, like, this becomes a bonding moment. And they end up walking back arm in arm to John Wayne's new home. uh, You know, forcing Mary-Kate to get dinner on the table and keep drinking through the night. Like, it's weirdly sweet the way this ended. And that's not the way I thought it was going to go. Yet again, misogynist Dave there. I I think that that sweet scene is John Wayne saying, woman of the house. (laughs) <laughs> hey, that's how it starts. Yes, <laughs> I present to you your brother, uh, and what also like being a little snappy, like you know, quickly or you know, hurry up with like putting food on the. But table. again, I think it it wouldn't work except for her reactions, because if it if it was played in such a way where she was upset by this, then it it doesn't work. But the fact that like you know she'll snap at him, but then the camera will go to her and you'll see her like little kind of smirk. Her little smile, like, oh, it's actually all working out exactly the way I wanted it to. That's the reason why this works. I think if it if it becomes a situation where it's, you know, John Wayne and Victor McLaughlin doing whatever they want and kind of steamrolling over this woman, then it gets really uncomfortable. But because she seems happy throughout this whole thing, you're like, okay, if that's the life that she wants, then who am I to say she should or she shouldn't? That's that's definitely not looking at it with a modern lens because <laughs> everyone should have an opinion. <laughs> on the happiness of this this fictional couple i mean i think it works because she was a huge movie star uh at the time and so like you know her her presence for lack of a better word matters just as much as wayne's you know it's it's Mm -hmm. not that it's a lesser star to him um and they've been couples in the movies before like this is something that audiences had seen wasn't the the previous film uh done only to get this one made like didn't they do yeah. yeah um so yeah, I mean, I think everyone was passionate about doing it, and it's a, it is. I, I'm guessing it was a nice change of pace then. It's certainly a nice change of pace for us on this, yeah. you know, series. We're like, it okay, felt throw this great. One in. Like it was so relaxing, like to just watch a comedy 
After all this mm-hmm. very self and good, but very self serious material from John Ford, it was nice to just kind of relax into a movie for once and have a good time with it instead of it being like, oh, this is very serious. It was focused on the themes and the like. No, this is just a good time out at the movies. Yeah, I I had a lot of fun with it too. I wish you'd hate it because it would make this podcast more interesting. I could just berate you for. I was sure you were uh, a miserable old man. It's so interesting because both of us assumed that the other one was going to hate it. Like I watched this, I watched this movie. I'm like, oh, it's going to be too silly for Mike. I don't know if he's going to enjoy it. Slightly too long. I just think I think there's nine minutes I could I could take out there. Maybe it's one of the. uh, What do you think there was too much of? Do you? Oh, you were about pep to talks <laughs> with the, uh, you know, the, the reverend, the priest, whoever, you know, there's too many of them to, you know, putting their, the, they're trying to be Yoda. And it's like, this is like John Ford with like, you know, his, a uh, blue Jedi ghosts where they're all like talking over the, the other one. I'm like, look, we all want the same thing here. For some reason, you all really want Wayne and uh, Marino hair to get together. Let, let's elect one person to speak. One person has the, the stick and then that's it. Like that's <laughs> just condense it a little bit. Uh, that's all um, because there's not, I mean, the, the only conflict here is with the brother. That's right. it. Like it's just a way to trick him. But one thing, I mean, granted, there's probably a way to condense this, but I do think one of the great things about having all those pep talks is you, you get the understanding that even though they can't say it in public, that the entire village is behind him. They all want this to happen instead of just like one Yoda figure saying like, this is the best thing for everyone involved. You have like four or five people saying like, no, no, this is really good. We just got to work on the brother over there because he is kind of a jackass like throughout the whole movie and just won't listen to reason. Do you think that him being such a jackass is also maybe like uh, one of the negative aspects of the film? And in the sense, that if it's going to result to trickery. Him being such a dumbass, it's like, did it really take this long to like figure out a way to like get him? Like, it just seems like you could uh, get him drunk and uh, just play devil's advocate, and suddenly he'd be disagreeing with his previous take, much like myself about <laughs> playing different podcast clips. Well, I think, you know, I think this is me filling in the gaps that we don't really know. But Mary Kate's character feels like someone who is not just going to get married to anyone, right? She's not. She's not. She's kind of picky. Like she knows what she's she wants. For John Wayne, she's waiting to, to get to Ireland. Yeah, she, yeah, she's waiting for John Wayne. So I think maybe this was their first opportunity where it actually presented itself. Where oh, she actually likes someone and wants to be with someone and start a life, you know. And <laughs> her brother is being a jackass about this. We got to figure out a way around it. And I really liked this. You know, there's a very small segment of the movie where <laughs> John Wayne is very angry that this isn't going to work out. And his, you know, reaction to this is to just ride his horse very hard, like that. It's his, that's his way of venting. Sounds right. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I love that. You know, the village comes together and realizes that even though he's the outsider, like he's actually in the right here, and he would actually be really good for her. And it's her brother that's getting in the way. And I like that they all work together, kind of behind everyone else's back, to bring these two together. I like, you know. It, it does feel like a modern rom-com in that way. We have all these supporting characters kind of pushing these characters together and finding a way for them to make it work. In more modern films, usually it's the two characters that kind of can't get out of each other's way and they keep screwing yeah. everything up. And it's, you know, it's kind of nice that we have like an easy villain in this movie. Like, I don't think anybody watches this movie and goes like, really? the brother, he's, you know, he seems like a nice guy. I don't know why everyone dislikes him. I think, I honestly just think that he wants John Wayne put hands on him i just i feel oh, like he wants to he's starving for a fight like yeah for sure and because he's a uh he's a big dude i mean you uh, <laughs> no knock on john wayne but I, I actually like they point out like how much bigger this guy is than him like when he puts up his his fists puts up his dukes 
dude had some huge mitts. And it's like he that. Does. I know John Wayne's like is John Wayne, but it's like you probably would lose like <laughs> in a real fight. You're probably going down. Well, it's it's interesting because I think, you know, the movie kind of plays both sides of that. I think I think it works, right? Like you do have these shots of <laughs> the brother with, as you mentioned, these gigantic mitts, these huge fists. And you're like, oh, yeah, that guy really looks like he can scrap. Like this is not the guy you want to mess with, whether he's been drinking or not. But then you also have John Wayne not only just being as big, like just as large as he was, but also the fact that he's fucking John Wayne, like, you know, as a movie star and he's, you know, he's knocked everybody out on screen that's been put in front of him. So you have that going for you. And then you have, you know, another character like kind of warning John Wayne and going like, you know, it may not, he may not look like much, but he's got a hell of a hook. So you really got to watch out. So I like that they, they pump up this fight throughout the entire movie. Like, you know, it's going to come to this eventually. And I do like that, for me at least, when it finally happens, it is not a disappointment. They go all out (laughs) with this fight, and it is, you know, action-wise it really works, but comedy-wise it works too. Uh, And I think they balance that really well. And it would be really easy for this to be just silly and have no one care about what happens. But I think as a viewer, you still do care about the outcome of this fight. Hmm. Who am I rooting for in this fight? I don't know. I guess Wayne. I don't. I feel like the uh, you know the brother here, the villain, if you don't call him that. I think he just becomes he becomes more likable as the movie goes on. Like they don't really press it too much, but it's like for whatever reason, you know. I I assume in most films it would be greed. He's pining over this older widow, like the one that like mm-hmm. gave away like the neighboring land, like the. But even he's like the way he's introduced that. It's almost like the land matters more to him, not just because he's trying to like grow some sort of vast empire. Because I think the more time you spend with him, you're like, no, he kind of just likes to drink. Like, just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's just sort of a good old boy that way. Uh, he seems like outside sort of, of the stuff in this movie, he seems like someone you'd want to hang out with. Well, was it like some sort of romantic ploy in his head? Was he just like, you know, he just wanted to be closer to this woman? Like, I he's think like, so. That, that that's kind of sweet i guess right. you know that, but you know it's a it, it's a comedy so it ends in a marriage where we just see them <laughs> silently sitting side by side as there's yeah. like a third party you know making them go through the dance it's good it's good it's just a little too long that's all it's like it's hard to make a rom-com over two hours i think it's and true. i don't know if this one totally succeeds either but it's pretty good how's that yeah pretty i good. It makes you wonder, like, if this movie was made after the age of the rom-com somehow, I don't think it would be a two-hour-long movie. But maybe it's just because, like, that wasn't really—I mean, there were romantic comedies, but it wasn't, like, its own genre, right? No. Like, at this point. So it didn't have, you know, the expectations behind it. Like, we have to be 90 to 100 minutes. Like, we really got to wrap it up, guys. And it did feel like, you know, John Ford wanted to stretch this out a little bit. I was wondering what you thought, because we always talk about kind of— looking at these movies through a modern lens, what did you think about his, his treatment generally of Irish people? Because like this entire movie, it's like drinking, fighting, gambling. That's kind of it when it comes to the characterization of the, of the people, this village as a whole. So, but to me, it still came off as kind of loving where it's like, yeah, I know the faults of my people because he's of Irish descent and I'm going to kind of dive into that and have some fun with it. It didn't feel mean spirited to me. Mm, felt like he's no, having it, a good time with it. It just felt more uh small townish where it's like, you know, these mm-hmm. are bored people cuz they, you know, they have grown up together, they're going to, you know, probably die together like they're very tight-knit communities. So, it's maybe just a little eager seeming to mm-hmm. get involved with as you said this foreigner, the stranger's business. Um I I feel like they're trying to 
sell themselves or sell like this life that he can make with this woman to him. Some, you know, this, this may be them playing it up <laughs> to an eight or a nine at a consistent level. And, you know, if there was a sequel to this quiet man too, when they're raising kids, uh, probably not as many parties, you know, the town doesn't uh, try to not. liven things up for, uh, you know, Sean Thornton and Mary Kate. So, uh, no, I actually didn't have a problem with it. It's, I saw some of that. It's like some of the, uh, you know, when the film came out, there was some criticism over it, like where it was like sort of a ridiculous look uh, in a positive bent where it's like everyone's just like kind of not played for a laugh, but everyone's just like got a got a quick wit and a smile and like a beard in their hand. And I don't know. Are we getting angry about that? No, it's I like don't everything think so. is I mean, too shiny. Everything's too happy. I mean, I think what you brought up about it feeling very small town really fits. Like you could take you could set this anywhere. Like, you change the accents, you maybe change what they're mm-hmm. drinking. But, like, that first scene when he first arrives and he's got, like, 19 people telling him to go different directions. And, mm-hmm. oh, actually, that's not the town you want. Like, that, I mean, you could go <laughs> you go anywhere in the Midwest to the South and get kind of the same kind of treatment. Like, that all really fits. So, yeah. Uh, so, it's a movie you both had a good time with. That's that's good. It was, a, it was, it was definitely a nice break uh, to watch this movie. It didn't feel as, you know, you've mentioned like sometimes these John Ford movies, like you've liked them all. That's like, ugh, I got homework. And mm-hmm. the quiet man definitely doesn't feel like homework. I don't think it was worth five bucks. How about yeah. that? That is the highest praise you can get from Michael Dennison. So <laughs> we are going to take a break. Uh, cause we're not getting any better than that. Uh, and you may hear from our John Ford expert, uh, Paul Ponte from the screen watchers guild. Uh, and then we'll come back and talk about the searchers. All right, so we are back. We are back now to talk about The Searchers, a slightly different movie from The Quiet Man. It's it's a bit of a strange... Back on his bullshit, John Ford. Back on the Western bullshit and... John Wayne came playing a character maybe not quite as likable as as The Quiet Man. So this is a movie we had both seen at least once before. Um, so what was your experience of rewatching The Searchers? Was this a movie you liked going in, kind of knowing you respected it, or is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I can't say I was like I'm like really passionate about it because I it wouldn't come to mind as like oh that's the best western of all time which is kind of how it's positioned like you'll see it sort of often certainly referred to in like the top five top ten of its genre always yeah um not for me baby not not for me like i (laughs) bring back fonda bring back fonda (laughs) well yeah i love that you know i had not been exposed to uh uh, him and uh, Clementine, that that horrible title, but uh, sure, that one I prefer. And I was always an Eastwood guy growing up. I liked the mm-hmm. Wild Bunch, like that was my favorite. I liked that <laughs> style western, which is a little different, a little more X rated. I, yeah. I believe it actually had an X rating. So, um, um, rewatch. Uh, it's gorgeous. That's probably the most beautiful film we're gonna have in the series. I, I assume. Yes. With, you know, one more to go after. Uh, 
and it's iconic. You know, the, the opening and the, the ending. I, I'm sure I've played on like, you know, those AFI shows, you know, when they when I don't know if those are still a thing, but, you know, the, anytime we're talking about great movies or doing an Oscar montage that somehow relates to this, some of these shots are going to show up. Yes. Um, this time around, a little, a little, honestly, a little disappointed. Hmm. And when I'm watching the other, you know, Ford programming that you've set aside for us, I actually feel like this one kind of feels a little slight compared to what we've seen. I mean, it's a, the scale is definitely smaller than a lot of the other things we've watched. And it's men on a mission, right? They have a very specific mission. Um, I, you know, I, I really like John Wayne, you know, playing, um, I wouldn't even say he's, you know, slightly unlikable at times. I think he's actively trying to be unlikable. It would be like more than slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you can get into the weeds as far as like, is he just trying to push people away to protect their safety? Like, you know, does he want to operate alone because he's knows he's being somewhat reckless, you know, with his own. I feel like that's a nice side effect of what he's doing, but I do feel like he's just, he does look, he tries to leave man. Like he tries to leave Martin behind. Looks like he's going to be set up with a pretty young lady who has been like waiting for him all her life. They're like, you know, like she's had this fantasy, this crush on him since she was a kid. Martin may be the most unlikable character in this movie just for that reason. All right. I uh I don't I don't dig Martin as the sidekick here. Um and I, I unfortunately like in reading about it, like, mainly because if you look up the actor Jeffrey Hunter, like his picture is like so young. It looks actually like a picture taken like you know, in the last twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um because he died like way too young, like right. a stroke sort of accident. Um but that being said, and you know, not to speak ill of the dead. I don't really like his performance here and he's definitely not got the most fun character because he's the the one that just is aghast at Wayne's actions it pretty feels, much as a sidekick the whole time. You know, he's like it is he appears to be like late teens, early twenties in this, but the character almost feels like it's written much younger. Because he's just yeah. like 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 a kid, like a twelve year old, like just constantly yeah. complaining. And the only way they make him <laughs> The slightest bit likable is the fact that, you know, John Wayne's character, Ethan, is just constantly hurling ethnic slurs at him throughout the entire movie. So you almost have, at some moments, it's forcing you to like him a little bit more because, like, Ethan's constantly calling him, like, a half-breed. And it's just like, okay, like, is that really necessary? Do we have to – like, there are enough things to make fun of Martin for. Do we really need to (laughs) really dip down in the well and go for the, the racial slurs here? But yeah, Martin is Martin is rough um, yes. to like. <laughs> like given, <laughs> given you know the the central hook of the film, uh, yeah, I I can see those slurs coming up quite a bit because sure. they're going after a kidnapped child um, in that time period. Yeah, man, you just really uh, you got uh, on this episode. You got uh, a woman you know gleefully going to be beaten with a stick <laughs> that her neighbor provides. <laughs> like as a present and you got the searchers on here with, well i'm uh, glad you found like a common thread between these movies. that's about it yeah really uh, i mean john wayne books. but that's really that's it but I'm, I'm glad you brought up the look of this movie because this is easily the best looking movie that we've we've seen um so far from from ford it's like honestly you could put this movie on mute just in the background and it is gorgeous to look at like these mm-hmm. are the things yeah. you hear about when you Ask knowledgeable people about John Ford, like all these, you know, beautiful panoramic shots, you know, of this valley. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. Of course, like the last frame of this film is 
kind of one of the most known frames of film history. You know, just John Wayne standing in that doorway, not coming in, holding his injured arm. And it, you know, because it's the second time I watched it, like I think I was able to kind of see more of this movie than I did the first time. Because sometimes when you watch a movie just once, it's just like, it can be very surface level stuff. You're like, okay, this is what happens in the movie. This is what I got out of it. But there's a scene where he's talking to this older couple and they're kind of talking about the West and they're talking about how, you know, soon, someday, very soon, it's going to be a much better place to live, but it'll probably be over our bones. Like, and that last shot of the movie really solidified that for me is that like Ethan is a character that is only useful in this particular period of time. Like he is useful in a time where everything is hard. And you have to make difficult decisions and you have to do terrible things. And he is not meant for the future. He is, and everyone else in that house is. All these kids, all these, you know, all these kind of young lovers, they are meant to kind of build the future. And it's over his bones. And it's actually like, I was surprised at how sad I was watching that final frame. Even though Ethan can be pretty terrible through 90% of this movie, up until like he takes that girl in his arms and brings her home. You're just like, oh, this guy is such a pain in the ass. Like he just wants to push everyone away. And it, but at that moment, at the end of the movie, you're like, actually, this is this is really rough that he's not going to get to see any of the good times. He's only here for the bad. Eh, it's fine. But he really enjoy him anyway, Dave. Probably not. Probably. Not. <laughs> but I think he's symbolic of that entire group of people that kind of formed that part of the world but they never get to see any of the really good stuff that they gave up so much for. Well, I mean, it's just trying, you know, it's hard to put yourself in Ethan's shoes, but it's like, uh, you know, he chooses to make things hard on himself. Like mm-hmm. you have other characters voice like, Oh, they're never going to find that girl. Like that's, that's gone. That's a fool's errand. And one thing I disliked watching this time was, um, the passage of time is kind of cheesy. Like we got to like, okay. They have snow on their hats and they're sort of standing on their horseback. Looking Out of snow. nowhere. Yes. And then, you know, cut to and it's like, well, you know, remember in winter you know, we were doing that and you know, we were just riding around. Uh, and you, so you have these letters that are going uh, with, you know, Martin and Lori, you know, this, this sort of, I guess, this version of a courtship um, that's very much one sided. Um, but that, that was hard for me because, uh, you know, on the previous one I was talking about, like, yeah, it could have been a little shorter. Then you tighten it up. Mm-hmm. This one, I was surprised that it's just two hours flat because I always think of it as Ford's epic. Yes. And it's about, you know, a fairly fruitless uh, mission that with no no real evidence showing that any progress is being made until all of a sudden there's there's a lot of action and there's mm-hmm. there's a lot that has to be decided very quickly. Right. And, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't dig it as much as I thought. I thought this was like, let me get to the, like the good Ford, you know, let me, (laughs) let me get, let me get to the searchers, right? That's, that's really the reason we're doing John Ford month is because of the searchers, right? That's going to be like the film. It's either the searchers or stagecoach, right? Like those are the two that really stand out as we start this month. Kind of like, okay, we can depend on those. (laughs) I don't know about the rest of this nonsense, these other eight movies, but those two, they're going to be great. And you did not have that experience. It was, yeah, it was strange to me because while I enjoy it, while I liked it, like I was trying to think like if this one was just for whatever reason, let's just say this was called, you know, she wore a yellow ribbon. Let's say that was a plot detail here or something that, you know, the yellow ribbon was a clue that was left behind. 
um, I may have been like, okay, that was good. But it's like this, you say the searchers and it, it has its place in the world mm-hmm. and it feels weird to like nitpick. I don't feel like I'm nitpicking at all because I enjoyed what I'm given, but trying to step back and put it in context of this project, I'm sort of hard pressed other than the look of it. Why this one, why does this one stand out so much compared to what we've watched previously that this is like the defining like Western or the defining John Ford film. It makes you wonder if a lot of it is because in Westerns, you, you didn't have a lot of anti-heroes, right? You had the white hats and the black hats. Everything was pretty clean cut. And Ethan Edwards by the end of this movie is a hero in this movie, but by no means is he a white hat. Like you know, throughout the entire movie, like he's, you know, Tossing loaded guns at people, he's, you know, you know, convincing people not to help, you know, saying things are a lost cause, like finding dead bodies, burying them, and then not telling anyone. Like, this is not something a hero does. So, to have not only a character like this, but to have John Wayne, the, the pinnacle of the, the Western ideal of masculinity, play a character that is so harsh and so cruel, I think, to me, really stands out. And it's something that... When I watched it the first time, I had a really hard time with, but I actually appreciated the performance more on second watch. Maybe because I knew where it was going, because I knew by the end he was going to take a turn and do the right thing, even though like leading up to it, it doesn't really read that way until it happens. I mean, it still kind of makes sense for his character as you look back at the movie, but I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, how is this going to end when he finds this girl alive? Like, this is not like there's this whole sequence earlier in the movie like oh yeah they're not white women anymore like now that they've been taken by the by the native americans and it was just like oh man this is really uncomfortable and you don't know where that's going until he does that flip in that sequence it's like well they just look like uh you know they're suffering from trauma they've had right yeah that's (laughs) ptsd before it was a thing yeah yeah uh i don't i yeah I, i didn't get as much out of the Wayne performance, uh, that one scene where he goes off and finds the the young girl and buries her and doesn't want to say anything about it. That, that sequence always stood out to me. And so when it happening, I'm like, Oh, this is that scene mm-hmm. again. Uh, and maybe that's why maybe the searcher just has those more easily identifiable scenes. But like, yeah, like for me, as far as this type of like, Antihero, I you know I much prefer Doc Holliday, my darling Clementine. I, f- mm. I feel like there's more an element of danger in that film with the guys that we want to be the good guys, mm. like in particular Doc Holliday. Even you know Wyatt Earp is like a at times a harsh like. Mm. So you think Wayne like hits that too hard, or the movie hits that too hard in the beginning? So you're not really rooting for him. You're just like, oh, this guy's kind of an asshole. Like I don't know that I want. I mean, he definitely good things for him. Yeah, you know, pretty thick is <laughs> like like I said, I thought like for the most part, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's trying to push people away because, as you said, he has a certain lifestyle that he's comfortable with, and he's sort he's sort of accepted that he's, for lack of a better you know phrasing, that he's part of the damned of the West, right? Like right. he's made some sort of pact, and that life is fine for him, but he's trying to keep others from like jumping into the fray with him. Um. I don't, yeah, I, I I liked it, but uh, admittedly, like it's further down the list than I would have anticipated. Mm. Like Stagecoach, I came back to it, and I'm like, okay, this is great, great action movie. This this stands up. This is fantastic. This one, uh, yeah, not so much. I don't. I'm not gonna 
do the hot take and be like, it actually sucks because <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I'm, I guess I'm just far more impressed with the previous Ford films that this one I'm now struggling with, like why it is, uh, why it is like easily the one or two by I, for most. I think for me, my major problem with the movie itself and with John Wayne's, the way John Wayne plays his character, and who knows, you know, a lot of this is just written. Like, this may not be a performance choice, but you talked about this idea of him pushing people away, and I think it just, it lacks subtlety, right? Mm, yeah. Because because if he was just pushing people away that mattered to him, okay, fine. Just pushing people like Martin and the older couple away, fine. But, like, even from the very beginning with the, you know, the reverend captain, like, from the beginning, he's like, you know, your plan is a pile of shit. Not interested in it. Like, you make one more mistake and I'm taking over. Like, he's just an asshole to everybody. Like, he could very easily separate himself. Be like, well, I'm going to find him on my own. But instead, he's like, okay, I'll watch your stupid plane fail. Like, he like he takes this glee in watching mm-hmm. other yeah. people fail. So I think that lack of subtlety, I think, really, really hurts the character. And I think it actually makes his turn a little bit less understandable. Because I think if he if if the character would pick and choose who he's cruel to and then you have to try and figure him out, then that turn when he takes care of that girl makes a lot more sense. But in this, it just it does feel a little bit like a 180 where all of a sudden like, OK, let's write out my will. Let's give you, a you know, and it's just like, uh, I don't know if this really fits, but I do still think it's like you said, we're not going to we're not going to be the podcasters to be like, you know, it sucks. The Searchers, the movie that has a 94, you know, score on Metacritic is seen as a classic but I am surprised that it is not – I don't think it's going to end up being my favorite uh, of, of John Ford. And I definitely thought it would be up there because, like we mentioned, this is one of the two movies we had both seen. And I was like, oh, I know this is good. This is something I can rely on. Uh, but it's this is the interesting thing about this process. And we can kind of move now away from the movie and kind of talk about where we are with John Ford in general is that sometimes if people are like, hey, this director is really great. Watch these one or two movies. These are the ones that are highest rated on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes, whatever it may be. I think sometimes that can lead you down the wrong path and just be like, oh, well, this is supposed to be a classic. And if I don't like it, maybe maybe I'm not seeing something. But like when you get a better context, like kind of seeing him start with the informer and lead to here at this point, nine movies in, I think it it makes me think lesser of this movie, but higher of John Ford as a director in general. Yeah, it would be like I'm trying to put it in like music terms here. Like if <laughs> if uh, someone was like, "All right, like Pearl Jam, like listen to uh, Alive or Jeremy," and be like, "That's Pearl Jam." That's it. And then, <laughs> then you're like, "Well, <laughs> there's actually like some some dips into some like like the, the Quiet Man. There's some like other interesting stuff there where it's like." You know, maybe, maybe I want to listen to Rearview Mirror instead. Like maybe that's that's the the rock anthem of choice. Um, and yeah, it can kind of sway you. As far, and then coming back to it, um, you know, that I can look at something like that in my lifetime where I'm like, I understand why like Jeremy or Alive or like you know would be more well known because right. because of how things played out. Uh, and the searchers certainly don't want to you know dismiss. <laughs> the sort of visual language of it where oh, I can no. see that really blowing people's hair back. And so that's, you know, it's it, still it amazing it now. Yeah. Like right. you watch it now in 2019 and there are many directors who couldn't pull this off, even with all the technology we got working for us now and being able to like, you know, go anywhere in the world to film. Like this is stunning to look at. Yeah. It's in what I've 
you know, I've struggled with and what I've like come around to really liking, I guess, with the Ford month is like you go all the way back to the informer and it's like, you know, it's got this sort of like ambling nature to it where I'm just like, what, where are we going with this? Um, and you can't say that about the searchers, which maybe I'm missing. Maybe strangely, maybe I just want more nothingness in their quest. I, I, I don't want to see the red line moments where it's like, oh, we get a new clue or we like have like a gunfight with someone. Uh, I want to see the moments where they're like, there's nothing going on. And they're really questioning. It is. It know, is interesting. Is this something we should keep doing? It is interesting in the movie that this is, even though it's so highly thought of, this is maybe his most simplistic movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like. These people get taken, and we are the searchers. We're going to go find them. That's it. That's the entire... Of course, you have the subplot of the... Yeah, you have the subplot of the romance, but, like, other than that, it's really focused. Yeah, he sort of distilled, like, you know, all the things. Like, so it's like you can tell him, like, you know, learning his craft and, like, sort of feeling out what works. And the the thing, you know, I, I make comments about the Quiet Man. We we started the episode talking about uh, she wore a yellow ribbon, where it's just like it goes into these weird comedic places, and then you have Ford like you know regretting, like sort of exiting in defeat, like all the things he couldn't accomplish, and he's leaving at a time when you know people could die. It just it takes these unexpected turns, and this one is like as you said, this is what's going to happen. Like we're we're gonna find the girl or not she's gonna be dead we're gonna kill a bunch of people <laughs> or not like you know it's gonna but we're there's gonna be some sort of conflict that we're building towards mm-hmm. and uh i think yeah i want some more deviations my favorite moment is honestly the fist fight at the the, the wedding you know the wedding that's not to be because mm-hmm. i'm just like there's some levity and it's just like i didn't know we were going to come back to that conclusion in that way like right because it has been played so uh, for such melodrama, this guy, like I'm on this quest, like no one wants me on it. Even the guy I'm with, I'm, I'm so yeah, even that has been riding to on, on the road all these years is marrying this complete goofball, this yokel. It's actually the only thing I took a, uh, I took a picture of with my iPad. I was watching it on the TV and <laughs> it's that idiot who's so like proud of himself. That's like, Oh, he married himself like a Comanche. And then it's like, you already see the wheels turn. It's like, well, right. <laughs> freeze things up for me on the homestead. Um, that's I, I, I think Ford, what I didn't realize when we started this was uh, how much humor he likes to inject in his film. And yeah. even a little bit of it. But I think I wanted just a little bit more. But unfortunately, it's just so it's so brooding with Wayne. And I'm sure people like love that at the time. I'm sure they loved right. him like wearing the black hat. Yeah, it is. It is a very brooding movie. And I mean, part of me agrees with you that like I wanted more levity. But like, that's just too much Martin because Martin is the levity in this movie. Uh, and I think he is the number one great thing. Voice. <laughs> he is the number one thing that does not work in this movie. I just. Oh, come on. That woman just deserves so much better. Like this, this beautiful Look. girl who just like waits around for this idiot. <laughs> just like. She's- She's uh, you know, she's punishing herself. I guess she's she's trying to be that hardened woman. Well, I think I think plains. the choices are limited. If you look around where they live, it's not like there's a lot of people just hanging out. She doesn't have a lot of choices, so maybe Martin seems seems like a good choice, but in reality, not so much. I guess, Dave. Why do we have to take that? Like, you know, it's a, it's a nice moment at the wedding where two dudes getting a like a literal dust up where you can't even see anything. They're just you know, they're just covered in the desert sand, and uh, you know, she she has a smirk. It remind me a lot of the Quiet Man where she's like smirking. You know, she's not doing the proper thing, but she's enjoying these men like fighting over her because, as you said, there's not many people around, so we at least got two together to fight over her love. That's true. All right, so um, 
As far as where we are leading up, the last movie we're going to cover in our next episode is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which is another John Wayne, John Ford Western, also starring one of your personal favorites, Jimmy Stewart. Um, so you are you looking forward to Jimmy Stewart in a Western? Have you seen him in Westerns before? Or are you more of like a Hitchcock Capra version of James Stewart? I've, I mean, I have a memory of seeing him, but I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched him uh, in a Western like for the full runtime. But I'm sure my dad at some point, like I seem to remember Jimmy Stewart with a rifle. I have to assume it was a Western then. Hope so. I, don't, I don't think he ever broke a rifle out in a Hitchcock, you know, thriller, like a wrong man type pursuit. I don't remember that scene in Vertigo where he's <laughs> kicking very, down doors. Very different movie. <laughs> Enough of your shit, Midge. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm actually really looking forward to that for for James Stewart. Because as you know, before we met I think the only Jimmy Stewart movie I'd ever seen was It's a Wonderful Life. So when I finally watched like Vertigo and Rear Window, I was like, oh, my God, this is like a whole new world opening up where he's not playing, oh, the nicest guy in town. Like mm. He actually has depth as an actor and he can play different kinds of roles. Because I think sometimes when someone is in a treasured movie, you just see them as that character forever. And you're just like, oh, it's the guy from It's a Wonderful Life. He had a, you know, he had a lot of bad luck, but he's a nice guy. Um, so it'd be interesting to see which kind of character James Stewart plays in this, especially next to John Wayne, who we've seen can play, you know, the stereotypical Western iconic figure, the white hat, and can play, you know, this kind of much darker version of, of a similar character. So it's going to be interesting to see where John Ford goes from here. And I know that this movie is very, very highly thought of in kind of cinephile circles. So I'm looking to see if this, you know, if this holds up like Stagecoach does, or if we watch it and we see, you know, we see kind of the holes like we did in The Searchers. So which, are you expecting, are you going in expecting to to love this movie or? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think I'll, I've, there's not been one I've disliked yet. Nine um, for nine so far. I'm so excited. Yeah, so this. probably not. I, you know, I think <laughs> with the cast, I mean, we're getting uh, Vera Miles is, you know, returning. So off the searchers as well. There's another like Hitchcock connection. Uh, you know, all I know about this is, uh, you know, this is, this is about, you know, print the legend, right? This is, so mm-hmm. I think it'll be a, uh, you know, a, a pretty fitting ending to this, this month with John Ford. So now I actually have very high expectations for this one. And, uh, we better say a lot of nice things. Cause I feel like, uh, if you get any angry tweets, it's going to be about us misunderstanding the searchers and loving the quiet man like far too much <laughs> yeah all right so as we mentioned the next time that we meet we will be talking about the man who shot liberty balance so in the meantime if you'd like to hear more from us you should follow us on twitter and instagram you can just look up at directed by pod uh, and both of our personal twitters are linked to there as well so you can probably find us there uh if, if you want you know some more talk or some more abuse from mike just at that him. wasn't said with much confidence there it's like you it's like in the middle of that sentence you're like oh that's a bad idea Thank you. <laughs> i mean it really depends on the day some days it's a really good idea some it's days it's not um so be sure to follow us there you'll get kind of more you know 
more tweets about the the show and more tweets about you know the upcoming directors that we're we're taking a look at if you look closely for clues there you will see me checking in with movies that we're watching so you can kind of get prepared with us uh, so make sure to follow us there and rate and subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcast we would love to have more listeners tell your friends sign up your friends without uh, them knowing just just go for it we'll we'll take all those downloads so uh, Jeez, make, make sure to watch the man who shot liberty ballots and we will talk to you next time Thank you.